You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas, here today to continue our previewing of the 2022 NFL Draft, which we will do by discussing two positions specifically. Last week, we talked about wide receiver. You should go... Watch that if you haven't gotten the chance to do so yet. If you have, then stay tuned because we've got an exciting episode coming up where we're going to talk about tight end and offensive line. Guys, first though, I want to talk about an underrated need I see on this Titans roster because I think we all agree top two needs are offensive line and wide receiver. And I want to have a debate about which of those is the bigger need in just a little bit as we talk about the offensive linemen in this draft class. But a position that I am not seeing enough people talk about as it relates to being a need for the Titans is safety. And we sort of touched on this a few weeks ago, but the more I've thought about it since then, the more I've realized hmm, that the Titans really need someone there. Because after losing Dane Crookshank in free agency to the Chicago Bears, you got Kevin Byard, you got Imani Hooker, both good players. Kevin Byard, a great player, an all-pro. And then, really, nothing. Chris Jackson is position versatile, so he can he can play safety. He's really a, a slot cornerback, though, at heart. You know, Elijah Molden can play safety, but he's, he's, a, he's a slot cornerback at heart. This isn't a round one, round two type of need, but the more I think about this, the more I think the Titans really need to come out of this draft with a safety, no? Yeah, it can never hurt to get depth at that position, especially when they really don't have too many holes uh, around the roster. Um, But yeah, I mean, Byard and Hooker are so good that, that it really is an afterthought, but it's not the worst idea to get one of those versatile type of safeties in the fourth or fifth round um, that could come in and contribute right away if, if needed in a similar way that, you know, they got great value on a money hooker and they already had Kenny Vaccaro 
Um, and it it ended up working out great for them. Granted, Amani Hooker is a lot younger um, than Bakara was, but yeah, definitely a position that I could see them uh, attacking, especially given the the lack of depth that they have right now on the roster. Yeah, I, I mean, they could add another one just as a third. Like, it, it's hard because how high do you value safety, right? Like, historically, you can find you know decent starters or like close to that at like after the draft like it's just not a very uh, there's no gold rush there like i mean tyron matthew's still uh, like sitting on the free agent market like you know and he's like 29 years old it's not like he's like a 40 year old safety so i mean i i would assume kenny vaccaro never got picked up i don't remember him ever like signing like he, he might have retired or something after like his year with the titans but like it's just not a very like hot commodity so i don't i don't i don't think they're dying to get one like they could get one on day you know three they could try to get that brady breeze type guy again and just you know do a lottery ticket kind of thing and see what you get but uh, i mean i i don't i don't know how relevant your fourth safety is but i would say that you're right that they could get like another they do kind of need another dane crookshank type but Having said that, when you've got fast guys like Long and Cunningham and uh, Elijah Molden and Chris Jackson, who are kind of like fast enough to cover, and like you don't have to have that third safety to cover tight ends necessarily. Like Monty Rice is fast too. Like I mean, maybe they think that they've got that covered just by having another fast guy who doesn't have a starting position in every package. Yeah, and and Will, to your point, I I'm not saying that this is a priority. I'm just saying it would be nice if they came out with someone that's a little bit better than Brady Breeze, right? Because that was the, you know, I, and I, I want to say this too. Moving on to another topic, every year they draft a guy or two that we get told is a special teams difference maker. And they never are. They never are. Maybe David Long, I guess. I can't really remember him doing much on Kirk special Shank teams. Was. Yeah, that was four can, years ago, though. Like, who are the recent guys they draft? Like, usually it's like... <laughs> It's it's too high of draft picks that get relegated to that, like Monty Rice. Yeah, like that's the problem is like the guys lower on the totem pole never get a chance because Vrabel like <laughs> demands that the top three rounds no, prove Elijah, themselves in trial combat. Yeah, I, I mean, I like I don't know. Like, why like, is that? Some... Is it is that just a thing that happens around the league? But like, no, no? it's a Vrabel thing. I mean, it's a break, no, like, no, 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 not the thing, rookie, right? not like, the not the rookies can't play rule. The draft okay. a player and you get to the press conference, you're like this, like like Vrabel. I remember him saying about Racy McMath. He's like he's going to be a major contributor for us on special teams. He did nothing. This yeah. just seems to happen over I hate and over that again. Personally, I don't like that. I don't like drafting like a pure special teams type of guy. And it was weird that they did it twice last year with McMath and Brady Breeze. Uh, like Neither we mentioned, we're any good at it. <laughs> I know because if you're not good at football, then usually like it just doesn't end up working out 
um, period. But yeah, I would much rather just they go for a guy who's fallen down the draft boards, maybe be it because of their size or athleticism, but who was productive in college, you know, like they did with David Long um, a couple of years ago. They really worked out. Great pick. Um, yeah. And, and Cruikshank, I mean, kind of was a special team pick, but he also had like safety slash cornerback versatility. Um, and he ended up being one of our better picks um, over the last couple of drafts. He really like outkicked his coverage in terms of his, of his draft slots. So yeah, I, I would just rather try to draft a player who was actually productive and, and played well um, and, and maybe just fell for other reasons than to specifically target um, a special team type of, type of guy, especially because you could get them um, in free agency with like some of these veterans that really don't cost that much. Like they did it with A.J. Moore um, this year. It didn't really work out with Farley last year, but they've done it in the past, and, and usually it does end up being better for them. Yeah, like... They they do seem to always go out and find a couple of like running back, linebacker, you know, safety, like one of those kind of guys who's just like primary their primary job is playing special teams, like, and they're fine. So like, why spend a draft pick on them? Like they they know how to identify them in free agency, and if you miss, you, they're not, you know, they're not expensive to cut. Just cut them and find another one. Like, I I, I don't. I think that's kind of an excuse to get guys with athletic potential and no real spot on the team and just say, like, you know, they'll play special teams in the meantime while we're coaching them up, and then the coaches can't coach them up, and then they don't play well on special teams because we have bad special teams coaches, and then they're like, ah, well, it'll be fine. I guess we'll just cut that guy. <laughs> it's like you wasted a – like, that, that's that got to be incredibly frustrating. So – Let's get into talking about offensive line and tight end. I want to start with offensive line. And before we name any particular people, I want to start with this. I went on a little small little podcast on Monday. And the guy hosting the podcast wanted to sort of have like a little debate about whether offensive line or wide receiver was the bigger need for the Titans. And and you know what? I thought he made some fair points. Obviously, you know, you know, I'm I'm ten toward receiver in that conversation, but he made some good points. Um one of the points being, because I brought up, I said, well, this is the offseason of be great around Ryan Tannehill and get better around him. Uh, what better way to do that than find him a really good weapon? And this guy came back and he said, Well, if Ryan Tannehill's on his rear end, it's not gonna matter. I'm like, hmm. I guess I hadn't really thought of it that way. Uh, and it really comes down to how much do you trust Jamarco Jones. Whoop, knocked something over. really comes down to how much do you trust Jamarco Jones. Because Dylan Radins is going to be out there regardless. I'm, I'm fairly certain. And so how much do you trust Jamarco Jones? Uh, personally, not a whole heck of a lot. I don't know. I think there's a pretty steep decline between him and Roger Saffold, who the Titans had at left guard last year. Um, But I don't know. Like, I'm tired of them waiting for receivers and not finding one. Like, they can't wait like they did last year and then end up with another Des Fitzpatrick. Now, Des Fitzpatrick is trending toward being a bust. Not every fourth-round receiver is like that. But someone that untalented is what I'm getting at. So... Uh, what do you guys think? Is there any credence to the arguments that that guy was making? 
I mean, I'd be concerned if Jamarco Jones is, is the day one starter. Um, are we are, are we saying at left guard, right? We, we do think Radons is going to be the starting right tackle. That's that's kind of what I think based on Vrabel saying Jones would compete at left guard. Well, that's what I'm hoping to. I, I think Radons deserves to get that shot. Because what I keep going back to is who exactly is he going to be competing with? Well, we've mentioned Aaron Brewer Jones? a lot. Yeah, it's it's Brewer. I don't think he, he said he said Brewer in the thing. Okay. He said Brewer, he said Brewer and Levin when he talked about Jamarco Jones at the owners meeting. I guess you could have worse competition than Aaron Brewer, but it's not like he's a like you I mean, kind of know what he is. He and Levin are both solid. Like they're fine. I, they're not. Yeah, that's oh yeah, fine, solid. Like like they're not plus starters, but they're not like Jamil Douglas. They're not like, liabilities. Not, yeah, they're not Bobby Hart. So you know, <laughs> I forget. Sorry, I always forget Matthias, about I, him. I jumped in. You, you go ahead, Matthias, and finish if you were saying something. No, no, no. That, that was okay. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with really any of them. I know Brewer filled in pretty well last year, um, and I know Will obviously loves Corey Levin. Uh, he always has, but I, to me, they're still like you know backup level players, not necessarily. Um, good starters, and I think it's an area that the Titans definitely could upgrade in. The thing is, I don't really know like how much they value the position. I, I don't think they value it too much. Like even Nate Davis, like he's a really good player, and they drafted him relatively high, but that was the third round. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to attack it um, too aggressively, in my opinion. Yeah. So do we want to have the like offensive line? versus wide receiver conversation right now. Like, yeah, you, that's you what I'm go, asking. Okay. Yeah, so uh, the the question isn't, do you need a good offensive line or improved wide receivers? It's which one makes the most sense, sense to spend a first-round pick on because that's wide receiver. Like, the drop-off from wide receivers in the first round to the third round is large. I mean, I mean it, very significant. Then the drop off from guards to first round to third round is almost insignificant. Now, it, that's in terms of how many above average starters you're going to get, not in terms of how many you know Hall of Famers you're going to get. So, not not that it's wildly different either way, but you know you're not getting a lot of Hall of Famers in the first round anyway. But you know it, that's fine. Like you don't you don't need Hall of Fame level guard play. You know we talk about it all the time. Like. Quentin Nelson missed four games in the middle of the season last year, and nobody noticed. Like, it, it was outside of Indianapolis. Nobody noticed. It didn't matter. Their running game was exactly the same, and they they had one of their better stretches of the season. Like, high-level guard play is, it's real, but it's also, like, not important. It's like high-level long snapper play. Like, if you have a really bad one, you'll notice, but most of the time, if you don't notice them, you know, it's a good thing. So, you know, if you could spend a third round pick and get another Nate Davis, cool. But I mean, would you would you swing a first round pick and maybe get Chance Warmack again? Like, I mean, there's been a ton of interior linemen that don't pan out in the first round, and it looks bad when you take an off like when you take an interior offensive lineman and it doesn't work out. You look stupid twice because you didn't take a risk and you took the quote unquote safe move and then still missed. So, um. Yeah, like it's also there's also a really bad image of what the Titans offensive line is right now because of how banged up they were last year. 
like Ben Jones is easily like a top 10 starting center. Nate Davis finished a lot stronger than he started, which thank goodness. Um, Saffold was in and out of the lineup. We talked about that during the season. Like he just, he, he was not the same guy because he just was in pain or just like, you know, I don't know if he had a lot of could make it through games. Yeah. Like it, like he, he is a, an absolute trooper and hopefully he does well in Buffalo, but like he just, he, he, he wasn't, he was not himself. Last he wasn't year. it. He wasn't um, it. No. So like, then you've got Lawan, who should be, a, you know, a full year removed from the ACL. Like that's, you know, we've always said, like you look at Conklin, like he made two all pro lists after, um, I think he made two all pro. He either, he was a two time pro bowl or one time all pro, whatever. He had really good seasons after he left Tennessee uh, when he was two years removed from his ACL injury. So, you know, you assume Lawan will be better this year, more consistent this year, you know, he'll get better play. Presumably you'll get better play from your left guard just from having hopefully the same guy out there or not, you know, it, it won't be a complete unknown next to you. Who's going to be in there snap to snap. And then right tackle, you don't have David Questenberry. So even if Dylan Raiden's isn't good, which I think he is good. I don't know if he's great or any, I mean, I don't know how above average he is right now, but in the one game we saw him last year, he was good. Um, so, I, like, there's no reason to assume that he'll be worse now with actual training at the position and a year in an NFL weight room. So, uh, it, to me, it really comes down to what they think of Dylan Raidens. And when you look at the roster, it sure looks like they're putting competition at left guard and leaving right tackle alone because they know Raidens is, is the guy there. Like, the backups right now to Lawan and Raidens are... Derwin Gray and Christian Delaro, like not not going to be a lot of competition at that spot. Um, and then they talked about the Levin Brewer Jamarco Jones competition they're having at left guard. So the question is, do you spend a first round pick on a guy who you do the same thing you did last year with Raidens and you say, well, he's kind of a tackle and a left tackle and a right tackle and a guard and you know, like where you just try to excuse your way at like into saying like, Hey, we want this guy in case Taylor wanted and like himself again, because that's, that's what they ended up doing when they drafted Raiden's last year. So like, do you talk yourself into drafting a hybrid or a, a tackle that you're going to force into guard position? Like, I don't know. That kind of seems like a waste to me. Like I, I would rather just spend a pick on a wide receiver knowing that you can never have too many. And last year you sure didn't have enough. So go, I mean, the offensive line wasn't great when there were injuries, but it was nowhere near the level of how pitiful the wide receiver group was. Yeah, I I guess really the question you're asking yourself is if if you're evaluating which need is more prevalent. Prevalent might not be prescient. I don't know which is the bigger need. I struggle sometimes with adjectives. Not really. I'm a writer, but anyway, the question you're asking yourself if evaluating. Which is the bigger need? Is are you more comfortable with Jamarco Jones slash Aaron Brewer at left guard, or are you more comfortable with Nick Westbrook Akina in eleven personnel? What what do y'all answer to that? To me, it's Brewer, and, and it also goes to the you know value. Um, portion of it because I just don't think it's worth spending a first round pick um, on a guard 
but I absolutely believe it's worth spending a first round pick on, on a receiver. I, I think we always kind of fall back um, to that argument and receiver always ends up winning. Like no one is ever going to be like, no, definitely a guard, even though that guard will probably slot in immediately as a starter. We're assuming we're, we're also assuming a lot of Mike Vrabel actually playing um, a rookie, but I just, I just don't see it really like, uh, unless the value for them is uh, like a player's like top 15 talent um, on their board and they think he could come in right away at left guard or even right tackle and slide right on to, to left to left guard. That's the only thing I could really think of. But to me, the value just isn't there uh, in order to take one of those um, over some of these receivers that have potential to be legitimate wide receiver one talents. I mean, the only way you justify offensive line is if you call it a tackle, like uh, plain and simple, like just like, you know, you were talking about, like, look at how expensive the wide receivers and stuff are like uh, going with the whole premium picks at premium positions. Like if you get a guard, like, cause you love him and you, you're fine with saying, look, we're not swinging for the fence. We're a 12 win team and we had everybody injured. We just need to be a little better at, at a few positions and we we believe we have the roster cool but it, it can't be one of those things where you're like we took the best player on the board like because that'll just never be what it, you know it'll be a pick that you regret in four year four or five years because you won't pick up the fifth year option and you know you, you'll have to deal with that but i mean a lot of guys don't get their fifth year option picked up whether you know whether they're good or bad anyway so i, I mean we'll see but to me it's just when you look at the wide receiver, especially when you look at the players in this draft, it gets even more obvious when you're like, look, Zion Johnson's awesome. Like, sign me up for him, you know, 10 days a week. But if you if you tell me you can get Traylon Burks, who just reminds everybody, even himself, of A.J. Brown, and you have that option on the table and you pass it up for a guard because you're fine hitting a double with a guard, like, at that it hurts my feelings. I, I don't. I don't like the idea. Yeah, I. I think it's you prefer Brewer or Jones because, like you said, well, and, and we've talked about this for years on here. The idea that there is uh, less value to a guard than there is to a tackle. I mean, I can recall. Gosh, I can't remember what the situation was, but there was one year, I just remember us having a lot of conversations about you don't take guard in the first round. It was Quentin Nelson year. That's when it was. Right? Y'all remember that? Yeah. Yeah. They passed up on a quarterback for Quentin Nelson and also, I mean, also like Chubb and a whole bunch of other guys and they've never, I mean, it it never I'd rather have Quentin Nelson than Nick Chubb. Plus, running back worked out all right. For I mean, them. sorry, I, I didn't mean I didn't mean Nick Chubb. Bradley, I mean Bradley Chubb. Chubb. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who had like ten sacks as a rookie, and then he got hurt. Which you can't predict injuries, but like you know, if they had another guy who could get ten sacks back when they had Danico Autry and uh, Justin Houston, like that would have been an absolute nightmare. Yeah. But yeah. so let, let's ask this: If you could add a Hall of Famer at one position on the roster right now to the Titans, like what what position would you add other than quarterback? Like it's got to be what wide receiver? I ask the question again: What position? What? 
if you could add a Hall of Famer that's not a quarterback to the, Titans, the Titans roster right now, yeah, uh, it would probably be edge pass rusher. Yeah, I, I was going to say receiver or edge. Those would be. I think those are the two most impactful. They're not going to throw to the receiver. At least the rusher will get to rush. Yeah, I, I, you get a Hall of Famer though. <laughs> yeah, that. They had a Hall of Famer. Who They never yeah, let him play. Like, <laughs> let's let's start that narrative. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They they held Julio back, which is why his market is crazy. Uh, I, I mean, but you know what I'm saying. Like, if you if you have to add a Hall of Famer right now, we used to do this with old Titans players, which when it was like, if you could add any former Titans player to this roster right now, who would you add? And I remember, like, oh, yeah. you know, Chris Johnson was a guy. Like, But it's just like, if you could add a Hall of Fame receiver to this offense right now, like, I mean, if you could just add Corey Davis to the offense and just get for, back to the old 14 games of A.J. Brown and 14 games of Corey Davis, like, that would have been... You gotta so move cool. on, Will. He's gone. Well, I, I'm not... He's I'm not never coming back. For, I'm not pining for Corey Davis, just just <laughs> as long as we're clear. My point is just if you had steady play, steady above average play next to AJ Brown, like I, I mean, how good I mean, how good was that season when they had Arthur Smith and everything was clicking? Like so oh, if you just great. imagine I mean, if you imagine adding like imagine this team with Jamar Chase. Like you don't have to do a lot, like you just have to throw the ball in their general vicinity and they'll do the rest. Here's what like, would happen. He'd he'd uh, he'd get his first target of a game with a minute and a half left in the first half, and then Todd Downing would be like, Well, we designed stuff for him. He's you know, it just doesn't always work out. Yeah. But the good thing is he would make the most of his target so it wouldn't be that bad. Like he'd be saying that after instead of like a Nick Westbrook Aquina like a target. Uh, can we thank Mike Vrabel for ending the AJ Brown nonsense? He went on Rich Eye. That was very. very Did you see that, Matthias? No. What did he say? He went on Rich Eisen, and Eisen was like, "What's the deal with all? Like, are you guys going to trade AJ Brown?" And he said, "Not as long as I'm the head coach." Yeah. Yeah, that was always so stupid. I don't know what that narrative was or why it even lingered as long as it did i actually haven't even seen the clip i just saw the transcript and i would imagine that eisen was like what what in the world like why am i why does this keep popping up why is rich samini writing about this do you remember and this is the last air we should give the aj brown stuff but do you remember when aj brown came out about you know his struggles that he had like last year and all that yeah and like he was like I, you know, I love like Mike Vrabel for what he did, and Mike Vrabel was just like, I love AJ, and like now, now like this made up narrative, like it, it's it's so Trade it's him. so aggressively offensive to the Titans organization that not only was AJ Brown tweeting about it, not only was Mike Vrabel, who never talks business, talking business in interviews about it, not only did the Titans official site have a story that where the the headline was. John Robinson says AJ Brown is a Titan and he wants him to be a Titan for a long time. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, yeah, yeah. It, it, they had an entire podcast of the OTP, the the Titans official podcast, uh, where they spent the whole thirty minutes was, "This is the rumors about AJ Brown. Let's laugh at how stupid they are." And <laughs> they basically, I imagine Mike the, Keith got a good kick out of that. 
he like sunned the New York media. Like he was like, I'm not blaming anybody in New York. I'd want AJ too if he was available, but he's not available. And it's not their fault. Like I don't want to say any names. It's not their fault. All they said was if AJ Brown was available, that they would be interested. And I completely understand. But unfortunately, AJ Brown is not available, which is as close to a public shaming as Mike Keith will ever give somebody. Like, I, I mean, that is. Like that's borderline him like high stepping and doing like the Marshawn Lynch grabbing his nut stuff. Like it, it's it's so like that's so Mike Keith ultra passive aggressive stuff that like that they shouldn't have never have had to say anything else. But anyway, so it's one thing to sit here and say, "Man, the Titans need an offensive lineman. They have to get an offensive lineman." Uh, it's another to actually say. Well, who could they realistically get? And and Matthias and I, I don't want to speak for Matthias, but I, I, I think I have some license to here. We sort of speak out of ignorance with the offensive linemen, right? Like, not just this year, like, constantly, consistently. I'm going to be honest. have no idea what I'm watching half the time when I do <laughs> watch these guys. I know about five offensive linemen in this draft. Um, but, yeah. That's that's what it is. Well, Will is our offensive line expert. Yeah, and that to say, you know, when Matias and I do talk about offensive linemen, certainly when I talk about offensive linemen around the draft, I, I just have to rely on what people who are smarter than me think. Like, uh, you know, Dane Brugler, like the folks at the Draft Network, right, people like that. I, I can't cut on offensive line tape and have much idea of what's going on. Will can, though. Um, and so the, this this conversation about the offensive linemen will probably be Will dominated, but I do want to ask this to you, Will. Um, who not only who are fits for the Titans, but who makes sense in terms of draft location? Because when when we had the receiver conversation last week, we were talking about first, second round fringe type of guys because we think the Titans are going to use their first pick on a wide receiver. We at least think they should. But with offensive line, it gets a little more, bit more murky. I think it wouldn't be a surprise if they did use their first-round pick, but we're certainly not arguing for that. We think it'd probably be better, like we were talking about earlier, do a Nate Davis move, do it in the third round. So my question for you, Will, I'm going to give you some time to think about it too. Who are some fits, not only stylistically, but in terms of where in the where in the draft the Titans may be looking to add an offensive lineman? Will's going to give us the answer. He's going to give us the predictions in 30 seconds. You're listening to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. All right, Will, give us the info. So, like, I, I guess it all goes back to how much you're willing to spend, right? So, it if we're talking about straight up first round, which just for the sake of the argument, let's talk about the guys you're talking about in the first round are probably uh, offensive tackles. There's not a guy there like that. Like you can, it's sort of like the Isaiah Wilson draft where all the guys who are going to get drafted, who are good are going to go high. Like they'll go in the top 12 picks like Charles cross, um, Evan Neal, Ikiakuanu, like the, those guys are all gone. Like Trevor Penning is not good, but he has like some really freakish athletic qualities. Like they they've done a lot of research on guys who've gotten elite like ten times, like short shuttle times, and like they're like forty times and their burst and all that. Like on all that stuff, he's got so much raw potential. 
that he won't fall to where the Titans are going to pick, and I don't expect them to trade up for him, even though they've done research on him. Um, so realistically, you're talking about three guys, and none of them are offensive tackles, and <laughs> I, I like them all to various degrees, right? So Linderbaum, Tyler Linderbaum from Iowa is a center by nature. He's got shorter arms, so he'll probably stick at center. The problem is, like, you know, are the Titans going to spend a pick on a guy who's not going to play this year, even best case scenario? Because it, in the past, they've done it where they've had guys who weren't going to play until later in the season. Like, that was kind of what they did with Rashawn Evans. It was kind of what they did. It's what they were playing with Caleb Farley. It's, you know, it's kind of what they did with, um, uh, who am I forgetting? Uh, doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, that's that's something they haven't been afraid of in the past. And if you re-sign Ben Jones to a two-year deal, like sure, maybe you cut him after this year or whatever, but you don't pay him that money and then also draft a backup center. So I don't think you take a low positional value guy who ideally won't start in year one. Uh, it just it, To me, it doesn't make sense. Um, so then you're stuck with, the two guards who are great, like Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green, like Kenyon Green. If you watch him from 2022, it's really easy to say like he's he's not that guy, like because you watch a lot of those games and he he know he's kind of sloppy. Like they pull him sometimes and he doesn't quite get to where he's supposed to go. Like it, he's a bigger body kind of like you know a little sloppier like. Whatever, like I mean that that works at guard. Like you know, Nate Davis didn't stealth or anything, but he just doesn't seem to quite have that. But then if you go and look at him at in twenty twenty one, like or in twenty twenty, like he looks he looks really good. Like it, you know, it's not like he played left guard then and he played right tackle this year, so it's a lot easier to see that you know the prospect that you're looking for and what he can do. And there's a lot of times where he locks on guys and he just drives them back and walls them off and. You know, that's cool. Like, he is a solid double at guard. Like, I, you know, no harm, no foul, great resume. If he misses, it would be shocking if he's not a multi-year starter. But he's probably not going to blow your socks off. And you, you probably will never say, wow, like, look, look at all these plays that he helped really make. Like, it, it'll be more about preventing things. To me, the the top interior lineman is Zion Johnson, and he's you know the guy from Boston College who Mike Vrabel has got to be very familiar with. You know, it, he kind of took uh, Tyler Vrabel's job. Uh, I guess it's not really fair. Like, I think Tyler Vrabel played right tackle, and then he moved to left this year. So, like, he didn't take his job as much because he played left tackle for him some uh, in 2020. And then he played left guard this year and he was great at left guard, but he played next to Tyler Vrabel and he made his job much easier when they were both on the field together. So that helps his case. some. And also, I mean, he's just a moving like bulldozer wall. Like, you know, do you want him to reach a guy? Cool. No problem. You want him to drive a guy off the ball? Cool. No problem. You want him to get to the second level and block a linebacker? Cool. No problem. Like, he doesn't leave his assignments early. There's not a big difference in, you know, there's not that size, uh, sizable gap between he and centers when they work double teams. You know, he seems to understand how to help Vrabel. Like, uh, so he, lo he looks good. Like, 
I don't know if I said this, he has kind of a weird path. Like he was at a smaller school and he transferred in former golf player, like really weird kind of path, but he's, he, you know, athletic enough. Like he checks all the boxes. So in the first round, that's kind of your lot, you know, in the third round, I, I wrote something about this earlier, but the, uh, the Titans have an MO, right? Like when there's a senior bowl and when they have full access, they love to spend their third round picks on guys who play outside of the power five schools, who are athletic, who are productive and consistent in college and who go to the senior bowl. And one guy that checks all those boxes and looks great and did well when he stepped up against competition is Cole strange. The he played, he played left guard too, um, for Chattanooga, which Mike Keith has done an interview with that was on the uh, Titans official website. They went to his pro day. They obviously talked to him at senior senior bowl. So like that, I mean, they've shown interest in him and he makes sense. Uh, I've got no problems with him. Like, I mean, he's got, he's, you know, almost six, five, like, you know, over 300 pounds. He's che- he checks the guard boxes. He snapped like that, you know, I think he snapped at the senior bowl. He did fine there. Like he's smart. He, you know, n- no reason why he should be there when the Titans pick in the third, other than the fact that uh, there's, you know, people like cam Jurgens and people like Fortner out of Kentucky, which I mean, and, and, uh, Parham too. When I look at Brugler, Brugler has Parham above uh strange too, which I've got no qualms with that. Like those, like those are the guys who will go on the day two area, like Jurgens, Parham, uh, strange and Fortner like the, those are the guys that make sense like they're all fine like they're they're all like fine right now can can start year one um and can and have the potential to be above average guys maybe even pro bowlers if they get with the right offensive line uh so you know all that matters because it shows you that if you're looking for guard yeah like if you can get Zion Johnson in the first round, like I, like I said before, that's fine. Like like I I don't think there's any question about his work ethic. I don't think there's any question about his athleticism, his size. I think he's he played left guard in college. Like he played he played tackle at times. He snapped at the Senior Bowl. Like, but you you want him at guard, and you've seen him at left guard. Like that is an easy plug and play decision. But there's also good starters in on day two. So is it worth the price? Like that's the big question. So that's obviously a lot of information. My, my follow-up to you will is this, we talked sort of, uh, theoretically about taking an offensive lineman early. I'm going to guess based on what you just talked about. If, if you're at 26 and you're the Titans and say Traylon Burks is there, there really isn't an offensive lineman to where you look at him and say, I don't know, this is a tough choice. Or, or maybe even if Burks isn't there um, and, and it's one of the receivers that uh, you know might go beyond him. Like, yeah, like if... Because I know I, you really I've like Traylon Burks. I do. Yeah. Like he, he, I think is such a perfect fit that it's hard, but the the problem is he's a perfect fit and there's a 60% chance that he'll be there when the Titans pick. So it's like that, that's the thing, right? Is everybody's like, yeah, but what if he's not there? But 
you look at the math and at 26, and we've talked about this before, historically, even in the great elite, these are the best wide receivers of any generation. Even in those drafts, at 26, you can get the sixth wide receiver. And if it's Drake London, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, uh, uh, Jamison Williams, well, uh, even you leave Jamison Williams out. You have those three off the board, right? So then that means you're going to be stuck. You're uh, stuck. You're going to be left with, if you're looking at wide receiver six, you're going to be left with uh, Traylon Burks, uh, Jamison Williams, or, uh, you know, take your pick where they want Jahan Dotson or Sky Moore or whoever. Like, you're going to have a, like, and I, I don't love Sky Moore. But you can sell me on this is your slot receiver. You've got your boundary guys. Like you can get another boundary guy later after Woods, you know, is done. Or you know, if you don't think you have something in Woods, like you can find another boundary guy. But this is your, you know, upgraded. You know, Adam Humphreys. This is your Cole Beasley. Like, and he maybe he's more than that, but he's definitely going to be at least that. Like that. To me, all those guys are that and above. So. It's it's hard, right? Because it's hard for me to imagine a wide receiver being there, which is really the heart of the question. Like, I you know the top five, like knock off Jahan Dotson and Sky Moore, and you have Drake London, Trey Burke, uh, Traylon Burks, uh, Alave Wilson, and Jameson Williams. If any of those guys are available, there's they. There could be an untouched board other than Evan Neal and Ikiquanu and Charles Cross, and I wouldn't bite on any of the offensive linemen. Like I just don't think they're in the set. Like I don't think they're a big enough upgrade over what the Titans have now. It, like if you go farther than that, like maybe I like Zion Johnson more than Sky Moore, maybe. But even then, it's like. Uh, like, Would you rather Pickens take a chance on Pickens than than Zion Johnson? Pickens is weird, right? Because he never had a thousand yards. Like he is on ACL, never had a thousand yards. Uh, I, I believe he produced less and less each season. Now, some of that's because of the COVID shortened year, and then he tore his ACL before. But it's definitely not a positive trend. Like I like Pickens. Like you watch Pickens, and you watch him like block and block like you know knock guys over and like when he's in it he's in it like cool you watch him stretch the field and you look at you know you look at his body like coming off the line of scrimmage and he has so many like aj green kind of vibes to him that you know yeah like sign me up for that but like if you're gonna take a a swing on an acl guy like is he like a safer pick than mechie like i i don't know like i mean i i think he's got more upside for sure but I think the Titans just need a wide receiver who's above average. Like you've got your super. Now I'm not saying get super conservative and all that. Like if you've got a guy who's got a high floor, high ceiling, you know, shoot, shoot your shot. But if you're picking between a boomer bust guy in the first round or a guard, I don't know, maybe take a guard or maybe trade down like, and then, you know, do something there or take some more boomer bust guys later. But I mean, I probably wouldn't take the Christian Watsons or the uh, uh, 
the South Alabama Tolbert, like I probably wouldn't take him. Um, Pickens, I, I, back and forth on Pickens. Like those are the guys where it gets, it gets a little bit picky, but then you're talking about, you would need eight or sorry, you would need seven wide receivers to go in the first 25 picks. And in a class where everybody says that there's, there could be potentially three, uh, edge rushers off the board, one, two, three, and that could not include, uh, uh, any of the offensive tackles or, uh, like guys like Carl Loftus or Jermaine Johnson, or if it does include Jermaine Johnson, which some people are saying now, then that could not include Kayvon Thibodeau. And so you've got like, Iki Aquanu, Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, like all like right there, and you haven't touched Sauce Gardner or like uh, Derek Stingley. It's like I, I don't see a world where there's going to be a run on seven wide receivers, which which again goes back to you know if if it's like every other draft and there's only three wide receivers taken, like the Titans are the perfect trade down team, like trade down for a team that's trying to jump the chiefs or the Packers or, or whatever and grab somebody and then just say like, there's five guys we're comfortable with. You know, we're not in love with any of these guys at wide receiver. We think all of them are fine starters and we're fine taking, you know, our wide receiver seven, just like we are a wide receiver five, like, you know, trade down if that's the case, but you know, like do, do what you have to do there. But, I, I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario where there's an interior, I mean, even an offensive tackle, where there's any offensive lineman and there's not a wide receiver on the board that I'd rather take. Yeah. Also, just looking like ahead, the teams that are ahead of the Titans, like, not all of them need receivers. Like, the Packers obviously need a receiver, the Eagles maybe. The Saints, I don't really know what's going on with Mike Thomas, but it looks like they may use those picks to trade up for a quarterback. I Yeah, I, it, it seems like one of the top five receivers should make it to the tight ends. I'd be a little worried about the Chiefs maybe trading up ahead of them. Uh, that's a possibility. But yeah, hopefully the, one of the top five receivers is there because then it gets really dicey just waiting for the third round. And then you're doing a lot of projecting with some of these guys. And it feels like receivers are, are a lot tougher to project the farther down the draft you are than some of these interior offensive linemen, which by the looks of it, it seems like there are a lot of like third, fourth, fifth round guys um, that could end up being decent starters at the next level. So, yeah, and uh, well, real, real quick, go like, ahead, Will. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, we're not even talking about the quarterbacks. Like, I don't remember the last time that a quarterback didn't get drafted in the top 20. And, you know, and maybe it's happened recently and I'm just forgetting. But, like, it sure seems like somebody's going to draft at least one or two of these quarterbacks, right? So it's like, you know, Kenny Pickett, like uh, Malik Willis, uh, Ritter, like, I think the over-under officially from Vegas is like three and a half in the first round and quarterbacks just don't get drafted in the last like 10 picks of the draft. Like it just really like, I think it happened like three times in the past 10 years. So it's like, if you're going to get a quarterback, like you'll probably get them early. And you know, if you're talking 
Carolina, Pittsburgh, and New Orleans all have quarterbacks they want. Now, now all of a sudden, you've got three quarterbacks in that mix that are also taken down. Like, if you look at Dane Brugler's board in just his top, just his big board, like in his top twenty-six players, there's no quarterbacks and there's six wide receivers. So, if you're just going purely by value, like. Uh, there's such a good chance that one of these, like one of the good wide receivers is there at 26, like, and you don't have to move and you don't have, like, you can just be patient. Like, you know, John Robinson's gotten a lot more patient in the draft, like uh, to, sometimes to his detriment, like a couple of years ago when guys kept going right in front, but then also like, you know, like it also worked with Jeffrey Simmons and AJ Brown and they got Nate Davis because of it. Like, so who knows what he does, but you can be patient in this class and get somebody good. And and that's kind of what I was going to ask is, um, you know, I, I think the moral of this conversation we've had is um, that wide receiver has to be the pick in the first round because none of these guys – head-to-head against the receivers that are going to be there farewell. And like you were just talking about, Will, you can still find someone in the third round if you're patient like that. Is that kind of the conclusion we've come to, or am I misreading this? No, I, yeah. I don't... Yeah, I mean, Matthias, you you can, like, interject, but I just don't know, like... I, I There's no realistic argument for me where, you, like... When you trot out your starters, I don't know how you look at that and you don't say Nick Westbrook Ahina is the worst starter they have on offense. And that's not and that's not, you know, a bad thing to Nick Westbrook Ahina, but he's not a starter. Like he yeah. was asked to be a starter last year and he was not good. Like he was fine. He was an okay blocker and he's a special teams player. He deserves to be in the NFL. But if he's your day one starter and you're one injury away from him being back in the position where he constantly failed the team last year, like you can't do it like there there's nobody on the offensive line like that has that's still on the team that was as you know ineffective as Nick Westbrook-Akina was when they were put in bigger spots so I I just can't do like I can't look at that and look at the receivers that'll be there and saying and say like no I think I'm okay with rolling the dice on Nick Westbrook-Akina taking a big leap in year four or whatever it is you know year three whatever yeah. I mean, even Dotson would make sense at 26. I know we're not in love with him, but it definitely at least would make sense. Um, it just it really just does seem like the Titans have very clear, specific needs at wide receiver and even left guard. Um, well, at tight end also, but there really isn't a player that, that warrants a first-round pick. Um, but I do wonder if some of these receivers are gone, whether they just go best player available like they have so many times in the past. I think it'd be weird to do it, um, but it wouldn't surprise me. Like, that's how John Robinson has operated. He's done it with Jeffrey Simmons. To an extent, he did it with Isaiah Wilson uh, on his board, um, and he did it last year with Caleb Farley. It's, it's definitely a trend, but I don't know. It, it just it just makes so much sense to attack those few holes that are still left on the roster, um, especially in, in a draft classic that kind of might lend itself to that. And even Dotson, who like you, we talked about, we don't, we're not like in love with, like we thought we were going to be. Like 
he led the conference in receiving yards with 880 or whatever during the COVID year. And then he had 1200 this year. Like, I mean, you know, he, he had 2000 over the last two years and he did it in 21 games and he, you know, he put up 20 touchdowns and he like, I think he like had some crazy like punt return average as a junior. Like, I mean, he's got like, there's plenty he could of turn into like he could turn into like Christian Kirk, who was like a very good wide receiver too, and like that's a player that you take in the first end of the first round, you know? Yeah, like I don't know how if you're somebody who is just looking at scouting evaluation and not injuries or whatever. Like I don't know how you look at him and you're like, well, Lavisca Sinault and. Uh, uh, oh, who else was I going to say? Uh, LaVisca Schnault and another uh, punt returner or whatever slash gadget guy. Like, I, I don't know how you look at those guys and you think that they're better than him coming out. Like, I he's got all the potential to be a special teams guy. Like, if you're if you're trying to sell, we're trying to get better on special teams and add a returner and all that and also say, like, we're, we're not going to force him to step in. Like, cool. Like, this, this is your guy. Like... I'm not saying that's why you should draft him, but there there is a conversation after the draft, like after the picks made, to say like, look, this is an easy sell. Like he's you know a borderline elite returner. He's a great athlete. He's had you know he led the Big Ten, and I mean he he led the Big Ten in receiving yards the season when they had uh, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jamison Williams all at Ohio State. Like I mean that's that's not not a joke. I mean, that's a pretty strong resume, but I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't even like him, but you can make a strong argument for him. We're going to switch gears a little bit now, talk about the other position that we had planned for today, and that is tight end, because it's an interesting situation. I think if you'd asked us two months ago, we would have said this is a huge need for the Titans, but they went out and they signed veteran Austin Hooper in free agency. So what we're going to talk about when we come back in just a minute is, first of all, Who are some options that the Titans could take that would be good fits, but also similar offensive line, how big is the need? Because they have their starter, unlike the offensive line spot. They have their guy, but the number two guy is not good enough. Just how not good enough is he? We'll answer that in 30 seconds. Guys, Austin Hooper is this team's starter at tight end no matter what happens. But at what point in the draft do they go find someone young who they can develop? Because the Titans' tight end room in 2021 was horrendous. It was Jeff Swain, Anthony Ferkser, who's now at Atlanta Falcon, and uh, Michael Pruitt, all three of whom were very underwhelming. Swain got re-signed, sort of inexplicably. And so now you got him and Austin Hooper along with the sort of, you know, Island of Misfit Toys, Tommy Hudson, and Briley Moore. So you got to find someone else because the Titans ran among the most two tight end packages in the entire league last season. That figures to, you know, stay somewhat similar. So how early do you find one and, and, and who do they find? I would go as early as the third round. I, I do think tight end is important, especially as after we saw – Last year, the room was just terrible, and even one injury to Austin Hooper could end up putting the Titans in the same situation as they were in last year uh, in terms of overall talent, just because Jeff Swaim is the de facto number two, and we saw he really isn't a starter-level 
uh, player. So I would go as early as the third round. The thing is, I think you can get like a pretty decent tight end for the next like third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, I think you could get similar types of talents. Uh, and there are a lot of different types of players. Like there are some inline tight end, inline blocking guys. There are some guys that are more receiver types, some wide receiver converts. Like it's it's a very varied draft class, and I like that because it, it allows the times to kind of pick and choose what they want. Um, in terms of the third round, like I, I don't think Trey McBride is going to be there. I think he's more of a second round type of guy. I think he's really talented. I, I really liked watching him. Um, in the few games I did, granted, he really didn't play against too many high-level teams. But I mean, if he if he's there in the third round, to me, that's an automatic, uh, an automatic pick to me, just because of the need, um, the type of player he is, and the fact that Austin Huber is he's good, but he's on a one-year deal, and we really don't know what his future holds. Um, but other guys in the third round, I think Dulcich from UCLA definitely makes sense. I've fallen in love with Charlie Kolar from Iowa State. I think he has a lot of potential. He was a four-year starter, very productive in college, um, and had some great testing numbers. I'm intrigued by this tight end class, definitely, because I think there are a lot of different guys uh, that make sense, and I I think the Titans are going to like a lot of these players. Um, And I think even if some of them get taken in front of them, they could sit back and wait because there are a lot of good options. Yeah, like this is, it's such an easy position to like because you're not really worried about the Titans spending the first round pick on it. Like, it seems like the unanimous, like, consensus idea is look, we're not going to spend a first, like, nobody is going to spend a first round pick on running back and tight end. So it's much easier to like the class because you don't have to hold your breath and say, like, he's close enough to the top, you know, 40 to be like a, a reach in the first round. Like, Having said that, like obviously there's nobody to really fall in love with, uh, but like like you said to kind of start off the prompt, Luke, like you don't have to fall in love with any of these guys. Like y- you basically like lucked into the Browns cutting somebody they misused, but when he was used as a receiver in Atlanta, he like went to back to back Pro Bowls, and then he hit free agency, and they and, made and him. The Browns signing Hooper didn't make sense to begin with. They had David and Joku, who they just paid, by the way. Like that, that whole situation was always dumb to me. Yeah, and it's not like he went and they were like, "Hey, you're going to be a blocker now," and he was bad at it. Like they were like, "You're going to be a blocker now," and he was like, "Okay, like that's not really what I'm best at." But I went to Stanford. I'm big and I'm strong and. I'll block for Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle and what Nick Chubb and not Sonny Michelle. It's Georgia. Uh, Nick Chubb and uh, who do they have? Uh, Kareem Hunt. There we go. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and you know, he did like, I mean, he was great. Like, you know, is he the best blocker? No, but I mean, unless it's George Kittle or a guy who can't catch, like they're not going to be the best blocking tight end. Like it, it, that those guys just don't though if you're a great blocking tight end they turn you into a fullback or an offensive tackle like you can go through the list of offensive tackles in this draft class and if they're athletic and tall it'll the first line of their like stat will read or the first line of their summary will read you know came as a tight end or came as a quarterback then converted to tight end then converted to offensive tackle like that you just don't like you don't keep those guys at tight end like 
So you have to be able to catch, and if you can catch, they're going to throw it to you. So, uh, like, the days of that old school, like, traditional, like, true inline, like, power blocker first, you know, uh, those guys just aren't popular enough. But that's great. Like, you don't need him to be that. Like, he can be a functional blocker, or you can split him out, and he can be a really effective wide receiver. So you don't need a guy who can do everything. You need a guy with potential or an extremely defined role. And that gives you a pretty wide net to cast. So, I mean, if we're talking about guys we like, like I, I like uh, Bellinger a lot. Like I say a lot. Like I, I like that they're interested in him because he's clearly like a day three prospect. Like the guys they're looking at are, you know, they looked at Trey McBride, but it's mostly like day three guys that they're, they're going to pick in the fourth round with one of their picks. And if they fall in love with one of these tight ends, they'll trade up and, you know, move up to get him. But, you know, Titans Twitter loves Jelani Woods. He's the six, seven guy from Virginia. Who's really big and a, a good blocker. And, you know, he's got crazy athletic testing numbers. So there's a lot to work with there. Like he's not a finished product or else he would be at a first round pick. But if you can, you know, if you trust your coaches to develop him, cool. Like, Kate Otten from Washington, I think they're going to like a lot. They, I think, I don't know if they had him in for a visit or just met with him at some point, but he's another really good blocker who wasn't, I, I don't know, like he, he never really had any breakout seasons. He was constantly a guy who's just, you know, really solid and good, but kind of like OJ Howard, except instead of playing at Alabama, he played at Washington. Um, I mean, then if you want to say like, okay, we want to use Austin Hooper more in line, like, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina is cool. Like, I mean, like that, like he he'll be at that kind of like mid or like not mid early day three range. Like, I mean, there's plenty of guys to like in the fourth round, and that's what they seem to be going after. So, I I, I like what they're what they seem to be planning at tight end because they're not like it doesn't seem like they're falling in love with anybody that they're going to have to spend a third round pick on. It looks like they're kind of looking at here's six guys who could be there when we pick in the fourth round, you know, let's rank these guys and then see what we want to do on day three. All I know is I want them to draft Trey McBride just for the Twitter jokes. Seriously though, how, how unbearable would those jokes be? Like, I think they'd be funny at first and then like very quickly it would become like honor Landry. Which I now have muted on Twitter, by the way. Like that that phrase, Honor Landry. Uh, I don't think they would be funny even at the start. <laughs> it's 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 just such a cheap joke. I mean, come it's on. A, it's such a weird. Like, I mean, it's it's a like it's one of those things where when you see a guy named Trey McBride and you're like, oh, that's weird, and then you're like, oh wait, the Titans are visiting with him. And you're like, oh wait, they could actually draft him. How weird would that be if you finally got like a really good Trey McBride on the team well, it's like, after it's, years of wanting one? It's a year removed from Daquan Jones, Naquan Jones wearing the same Which, jersey number. Yeah, that that's that true, seemed yeah. like an April Fool's joke that accidentally worked. Like <laughs> it was so weird that he was so good. Like he like led all rookie defensive tackles and sacks. Yeah, and he like didn't even like play like play heavily until week like th- four or five. Like uh, he's the just reason so that I, I was doing. I was talking. I can't remember if I was talking to a friend or was on a podcast or what. But I got asked about the Titans drafting a defensive lineman, and I'm like, why? They got. Five. 
Autry yeah. Simmons, Jones, Tart, Murchison. Yeah. I mean, like, that's something that I've gone back and forth on because I'm like, what if Jordan Davis was there when the Titans picked? Like, he won't be, but, and I, and I don't want them to draft defense, but man, it would be really hard to stop a defense that had, like, it's like third and three, and you've got Jordan Davis, Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, Harold Landry, uh, and Bud Dupree, or like you put Rashad Weaver out there if you want somebody bigger than that. Like it's like, oh man, like and that's not even like Tier Tart Naquan Jones. It's like that, like that's that's a lot of pure power. But I mean, I don't I don't think they'll do it. But it's like I don't have to daydream about it because I know there'll be an undrafted free agent uh, defensive tackle that we add that is the starter halfway through the season, and we're like, wow, this guy's actually pretty good. So yeah, uh, that's that's one of the blessings of having John Robinson as your GM. Next week on No Nonsense, you'll want to come back because we're going to have our friend Justin Mello on for his annual hour-long pre-draft visit. Justin is the best. He's so knowledgeable. He's talking to these guys. He watches the tape. He makes the rankings. He studies the players, but he also talks to the players. He does a great interview series every year now that is at the Draft Network. So we're super excited for his annual visit next week. Again, he's going to be on for the whole episode with us. That's going to be a lot of fun. For now, though, it's time for Stop the Nonsense. And I'll start this week. I think it's been a while since I started one. Um, So, really all offseason, and this might have been itself a Stop the Nonsense in the past. I can't remember. The whole uh, mocking an inside linebacker to the Titans in mock drafts has been going on really since the season ended for the last couple of months. But uh, today, or really yesterday, on on Monday, I saw what may have been the dumbest one yet because of the explanation that the author offered. Benjamin Solik of the Draft Network, who has, I'm fairly certain, been a topic of Stop the Nonsense in the past, Mocked an inside linebacker to the Titans, and of course, uh, Titans fans responded to him and were like, no, this is ridiculous, we have Zach Cunningham. Now, by the way, in the article, Benjamin Solik mentioned that he is not a big Zach Cunningham guy. Alright, which is a flaw because the point of a mock draft is to predict what you think is going to happen, not inject your opinions into it. The Titans just uh, worked out a deal by uh, paying Zach Cunningham a bonus early so that they could afford to keep him. Clearly, they like him. Doesn't matter whether Benjamin Solik likes him, but that's beside the point. So, someone responds, at Snapoff then, responds to uh, Benjamin Solik's tweet about his mock draft and says, Hashtag stop mocking linebackers to the Titans 2022. To which Solik quote tweeted and said, Hashtag don't trust Zach Cunningham 2022. And then Buck Rising, my coworker, responds, Help me understand this. And he says, Have never been a huge Cunningham fan. Think the Texans regretted that extension almost immediately. IDK. If I were to make a mock draft, which that that would just be a horrible idea, uh, that would be one thing. That would just be me blowing a lot of smoke. 
But Benjamin Solak is a staff writer for The Ringer. And he's writing these mock drafts. They're putting out these mock drafts. And he says, IDK. After, like, doubling down on this. So, eh, just ridiculousness. I feel like we need to institute, guys, like something where it's like, if the Titans draft an inside linebacker, we'll do such and such. I will not say anything because after the Isaiah Wilson thing, I am scarred because everyone was saying we were going to draft him and we ended up drafting him. So, <laughs> and I said it was, we said, we said it was like not going to happen and it happened. So I don't want to discount anything. I'd love to go back and listen to this. I would love, you know what I, I might do? I might, next time I'm on a car ride, I might pull up our episode after the draft. And see if any of us was like, man, he's just a great guy. He's a leader. We didn't like him on the field, but what about that other stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to talk about Isaiah Wilson. Like, <laughs> makes makes me super then, sad. And change uh, the subject for us, Will. Uh, okay, so my uh, like it's this is another like mock draft thing which i was thinking about trying to do another one but i changed my mind because there is this belief out there that it is impossible to imagine green bay packers doing anything other than drafting a wide receiver in the first round and is it really it feels like it feels like i am stuck in a time like i feel like i'm stuck in like groundhog's day like we do this every year where we're like, this is the year they're finally going to draft a wide receiver in the first round. And uh, like, when was the last time they did it? It's been like 20 years. Like it's been, I think it was before Aaron Rodgers got there. Like it's been so long and every year, every single year. And like, we've seen them have multiple first round picks. They didn't do it. We've seen them in great wide receiver classes. They didn't do it. And everybody is like, well, now guess what? Like, they're, they're definitely going to draft a wide receiver because they traded Devonta Adams. And I'm like, you know what a great way to show that you don't value wide receivers like the rest of the league is? It's just trade away the best one. <laughs> like, I, like, may it's the same thing to a lesser extent with the Chiefs, but maybe the idea is you trade your, you know, you trade for first round pick and then you spend it on that guy. It's been on like a wide receiver, but how on earth do you prevent those comparisons from you traded uh, this pick for Tyreek Hill or you traded Tyreek Hill for this pick? And then this is the wide receiver you drafted and he wasn't as good as Tyreek Hill. This is the pick. you. This is the uh, pick you got for trading Devontae Adams. Like it, he's not nearly as good. It's like, yeah, like the only way to not do that is to spend those first round picks on other positions and then add two or three guys on day two and that way you're like, well, look, we, you know, we value these positions. But this idea that, like, I've seen people say, well, maybe the, maybe the Packers are going to draft two wide receivers. Or maybe they're going to trade up and draft a wide receiver high. And I'm like, the, it, it's like I'm going crazy. Because maybe they do, sure. But literally everything this GM and Ted Thompson before him did was say that they don't value wide receivers in the first round. That's why they pay quarterbacks money is to elevate the wide receivers around them. And 
if it gets to a point where paying a wide receiver doesn't fit what they want to do, they move on. But everybody just swears that like 12 wide receivers are going to go in the top 25 because Green Bay is going to move around and they're going to go get guys and all that. And it just drives me nuts. So my stop the nonsense is stop saying you know for sure what a team is going to do because while you can probably eliminate things they won't do and that aren't in character, you can never predict them or else mock drafts would be 25 hits out of 32 and not seven out of 32. Like it's crazy to me that people just refuse to believe that they won't do that. Like that drives me nuts. Yeah. Draft night's always a little wild. I don't think we can really predict the whole lot. Certainly. Matthias, close us out. Speaking of mock drafts, isn't uh, uh, did Mayock get fired? Can't get. Is he going to do a mock draft or what's up with? Uh, nah, surely what's up not. With him? He did get fired. I haven't, yeah, I haven't he heard had, anything. He hasn't surfaced him. in the media though. He's collecting those yeah. checks. Yeah, he's probably in like Hawaii or something, just showing. Yeah, I would love anyway, it if NFL Network put him on the broadcast. He was my favorite. I know. He was great. He was great. Plus, he nailed the Adore Jackson pick when absolutely no one saw that coming for oh, the yeah. Titans, which was cool. Um, yeah, so for myself, the nonsense, I don't really have a specific one, but I keep seeing a lot of Tannehill hate um, among the Titans fan base. And look, I get it. I mean, even after the Titans lost, I literally tweeted like, we can't win the Super Bowl w- with that quarterback. And that's how I felt at the time. But... Since then, I've kind of taken a step back, looked at the bigger picture, and realized, yes, maybe it might be difficult to win a Super Bowl with Tannehill, but people are acting like he's the worst quarterback in the entire league, and drafting one of these quarterbacks this year is a necessity, or they have to, like, the Titans have to really make a push for one of these guys when... Every single like metric, every single analysis on this quarterback class is bad. They are all saying like this is a historically not good quarterback class. Yet Titans fans just keep trying to hold on to this hope that one of them will pan out because we just happen to possibly need one after our quarterback had a very bad playoff performance. I understand the sentiment, but we also can't act like Tannehill hasn't been an above-average quarterback every single year that he's been a starter with the Titans. He wasn't great last year, but there is nothing pointing to one of these quarterbacks in this draft class, especially at our pick in the late 20s, actually panning out at the next level and even being close to Tannehill's quality of play over the last couple of seasons. So I think Titans fans need to chill. They need to relax. Um, and yeah, just, 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 just calm down. Take, take a chill pill. When is that not the case that Titans fans need to calm down? You're, yes, you you like, are absolutely right. <laughs> it like, y'all, y'all know how I feel about this. And I've, I've been vocal on the podcast about it, but it is, it is just crazy how, uh, like, I, you know, I, I understand you Titans fans. Like, you know, I love you. Like, we're all family. <laughs> but you annoy the hell out of me. Yeah, you annoy <laughs> the hell out of me when y'all are like, 
we can't win a Super Bowl with this. We've got to go out and get something better. And then there isn't anything better. That's the thing. Yeah, like, you can feel like, how you want about Ryan Tannehill. There is not a better option. Like maybe if yeah, they had you, you know like, traded for Rodgers or whatever, but what's well, like even like even Rodgers like it, didn't they get beat like ten to three or something in their playoff game against the Forty ers Like I, I mean, with a good offensive minded coach and with uh, like Aaron Rodgers, Devonte Adams, like yeah, but it, we two haven't good seen Aaron Rodgers with like, Todd Downing, and I have a feeling that yeah. I mean, it's it's Rogers crazy. would like, quit trying to work with Todd Downey. Yeah, just retire. Like, but it's just, man, it's just like it's so crazy because it's like, well, we need to trade for this guy, and then they'll talk about a guy who hasn't won a playoff game in four years, and then they're like, well, look at what the uh, Rams do with Matt Stafford, and it's like, yeah, Matt Stafford uh, never won a playoff game, even when he had uh, uh, Calvin Johnson, and it's like. Okay, it's like, you know, and, and there's all these things where it's like everybody is a loser in the playoffs until they win a Super Bowl. Like it, the list of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks is short and the list of losers is long. And even the list of losers in the playoffs is better than 80 percent of the quarterbacks in the league. So it, it's just it's so aggravating that it's like, hey, have the Titans ever thought about just drafting another quarterback like that because they the, everybody's like well, if they fall in love with the quarterback and it's like well they're not going to like these quarterbacks suck like they, there's a you know why they're not going to fall in love with the quarterback and trade up because these are all, quarterbacks are all bad and the quarterbacks are hoping fall to the titans like aren't good or they would have gotten drafted like it just it it baffles me how people are like maybe we're the ones who are going to accidentally nail this quarterback class and everybody else is wrong I don't know. It happened with Josh Allen. That was a bit of an anomaly, though. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that was an anomaly, and he still had enough tools to where he went like top ten. Like, uh, I mean, he was. That, awful, that was the class none of that these everyone... guys have his arm strength and mobility. Yeah. Well, actually, Not was them. it? No, I'm thinking of the class before. It was the class before Allen, where everyone convinced themselves it was a crappy class, and there were two Pro Bowlers in the first round: Watson and Mahomes. But even then, like Watson went like four. Like what? I mean, what did Watson go? Like he went top ten. No, he didn't. And then Mahomes went before Watson. Watson Mahomes, Mahomes went, went 10th. ten. Yeah, and I think Watson went twelve. Like that's that's my uh, gun. And then Trubisky, Trubisky went two. Like Trubisky, like two. Because <laughs> <Like, right? laughs> like yeah. the Bears whatever. traded up one spot. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so uh, so uh, Watson went twelve. But even then, like, it's like everybody that that's not a bad quarterback class. Like people weren't like, these guys are terrible. Like Deshaun Watson just won the national championship and beat Alabama. Like it, people were like, I'm not sure if he can translate, but he is also six foot two, really athletic and can make all the throws. It's just, is it like too easy for him because of the surrounding talent and the coaching? Like, this is like, these guys are all bad. They all lose except for the one guy who doesn't play in a real conference, and then we saw him play in a real conference, and his team got smashed. And it's like, oh man, like that, like that sure is not a recipe for success. Like, I, I just, I don't know. That's gonna do it for us. We'll be back next week with Justin Mello. Stay tuned. Until then, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.